Today we finish up a series I have really enjoyed, and I hope you have as well, Flawed and Faithful. This series was a deeper look at some of the most beloved and well-known characters in our Bible and how they showed faith in the midst of their own brokenness. Over the last few weeks, we have talked about Abraham, Moses, Jacob, Rahab, Paul, and today we'll talk about one of the most flawed and faithful of them all, Simon Peter, the disciple that Jesus called the rock. One of the things we learn over and over again is that God loves us, warts and all, and calls us to step into the newness of life that is offered to us in Jesus Christ. So as we begin, we pray with me. Holy and loving God, wash over us your spirit, and may we be met by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Reverend Adam Hamilton has written a wonderful book on this flawed and faithful disciple, Simon Peter. And I found it to be very easy to read and understand, especially with a complicated character such as Peter. Every good character needs a sidekick. There is Batman and Robin, the Lone Ranger and Tonto. Boy, I'm showing my age with that example. Thelma and Louise, Bert and Ernie. Now let's be clear, I'm not putting Jesus in the same category as Batman. But what I am saying here is that Jesus is the central figure in the Gospels and the center of our Christian faith. Peter is with Jesus most every step of the way. He is called by name over 120 times in the Bible. And the other 11 disciples, well, they get a mention from time to time. He is the leading figure among the 12 disciples, and he is the first to receive the call to fish for people. This is where his story begins. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So immediately we hear of the faith Peter has, the kind of faith it takes to drop everything and follow Jesus. But as we read on in the stories, Peter is nearly always portrayed as a flawed disciple, one who seeks to follow Jesus, yet one who is also confused, questioning, fearful, and mistaken. As Reverend Adam Hamilton highlights the literary context of the Gospels, he notes that in literary terms, Jesus is the protagonist. And to use another literary term, Peter is as a foil to Jesus. A foil is a supporting character whose part contrasts, highlights, and even exalts the qualities of the main character. Each time, Peter's blunder serves to reveal some dimension of Jesus's character or to make clear some aspect of Christ's message. But Simon Peter's role is not only as a foil to Jesus. The gospel writers also lift up Peter as a representation of each of us, those who believe in and seek to follow Jesus. We can see ourselves in him probably more than any other character in the Bible. We can see the determination to follow Jesus. We can see the times in which we have boldly proclaimed we would die for Jesus. We have seen the times in which we have looked away and lost our courage only to begin to sink in the waves of our own fears. We have seen the times in which we have questioned and the times we've been confused. We have seen the times we have denied Jesus. Peter represents each of us. 
Each of the Gospels allows us to see the brokenness, the warts, and all of it, and also allows us to see the faith that Peter displays. Jesus calls him the rock, the one in which the church, the community of believers, will be built. Jesus sees Peter's willingness to be bold and to take risks for the sake of Christ. Jesus sees Peter's conviction and commitment that will make him the Petros, the rock, upon which Jesus would build the community. And yet, if we read another spot in the Gospels, Jesus also tells the rock that he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. Of course, Peter says that he would die with Jesus before denying him. But Jesus knew Peter better than he knew himself. As recorded in the Gospels, it happens after Jesus is taken into custody to the house of the high priest, Caiaphas. In the place Christians have marked this home, a modern church sits atop the ruins of much more ancient churches before it. The church that sits there now was built in 1931 and is called St. Peter in Galicantu, which means cock crow. There is art that depicts the moment in which Peter denies Jesus the third time and hears that rooster crowing. A bronze rooster sits upon the top of the church. Beneath the church and surrounding grounds are holding cells, one of which would have been Jesus's cell before the trial. The ancient steps outside the church are original to Jesus's time, and it's one of the few places in Israel in which you walk and you know for certain Jesus walked there as well. It is a holy place and one in which I have been many times. And each time I am there, I cherish this sacred place and remember the story that is recorded in each of the Gospels. I'm sharing this from the Gospel of Matthew. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter is known and remembered for many things, and down over the years, this story could have faded, but it didn't. If you think about it, the only reason we know this story is because Peter told it. In fact, I agree with Reverend Hamilton when he says, I'm convinced that the people of faith told this story about Peter because Peter himself insisted on telling it over and over again. It became so associated with Peter in his ministry that not to tell the story would have been a great disservice. The scriptures say that Peter wept bitterly. I can only imagine the feelings that stirred within him. 
and he probably wept every time he told this story about himself, feeling the pain and the fear all over again. He probably even thought about it as the worst thing he'd ever done. Why did Peter keep telling the story? Because even though it was Peter that denied Christ, it could have been you or me in that same situation. The gospel writers wanted us to see our own humanity in the story. The times in which we've denied Jesus with our thoughts, our words, our actions, our deeds, both in things done and things not done. Sometimes we deny Jesus with our sins of omission as much as our outright actions. So how do we deny him? In all the ways we resist his will. That's blatant denial. And none of us have to probe very deeply to locate even recent times when we have resisted Christ's will. We deny Jesus every time we do not love our neighbor as ourselves. We deny Jesus every time we say a harsh and unloving thing or post something on social media that is hurtful or not in line with our Christian character. And by the same token, we deny Jesus every time we remain silent in the face of something in our world that needs our Christian witness. Every evening in my own life, I wonder how I have denied him that day. Before we can point the finger at Peter and say, how could he have done that? We have to take a deeper look at ourselves. Peter's story is our story and shows us that denying Jesus is part of our all-too-human, broken experience as a disciple. But here is the other thing. It also shows us that we are not defined by the worst thing we ever did. As Pastor Deb said last week, Jesus makes amazing use of flawed disciples like you and me. He continually invites us back to make things right again, and He constantly seeks to restore us, offering us grace upon grace. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. If the disciple who is known as the rock could mess up this badly and still be the one who brought over 3,000 people to Christ on the day of Pentecost, then there's certainly hope for us too. God uses us warts and all, and sometimes, just sometimes, seeing the forgiven flaws of those who follow Jesus Christ can bring another person struggling with the same thing to Christ as well. Let's face it, we all blow it from time to time, if not daily. And if we're honest with ourselves, we blow it more than we'd like to really admit. But our story doesn't have to be defined by that, because of the cross. We all have another story to tell, a story of forgiveness. And because the story did not end with the cross, we have a story that brings transformation and everlasting hope. How did Peter move from fear to courage? How did he move from hiding in a room with the other disciples after the crucifixion to proclaiming him as the Messiah before thousands of people? Love, forgiveness, grace. Sometimes it is our greatest mistakes that get us back on the right path and keep us there. 
Had there not been failure, there never would have been indescribable joy of forgiveness. Had there not been failure, Peter never would have felt the burdens of his soul lifted the morning Jesus appeared to him and said to him, Feed my sheep. Thanks be to God that there's grace. Thanks be to God that he pours it down upon each of us as his broken, faithful, and flawed disciples. In Jesus' name, amen.